0: Hi, and welcome to the Smart Buildings Insider, a podcast by CM Industrial. I'm your host, Lewis Martin, a senior consultant that specializes in recruitment for the smart buildings industry. Throughout this series, I'll be utilizing my network to speak with the smart buildings experts and leaders from around the world about the major talking points within our industry, as well as also the latest technologies and trends. To kick the series off, I spoke with former president of JLL and current CEO of Sky, Maureen Ehrenberg. With over 30 years experience as a commercial real estate executive, Moyne was well placed to discuss the future of commercial real estate. In the episode, she tells me how the market needs to catch up, embrace new operating systems and smart technologies. And we also dive into detail on the importance of ESG and sustainability. I hope you enjoy listening to our discussion. Okay. Well, welcome, Maureen. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Well, thanks very much. I'm uh, really looking forward to this.
0: No, it's a pleasure. Um, I think for our audiences, it'd be great to just have a, a quick overview of your your career history. Um, I think it's fair to say that you're a highly decorated real estate professional. Um, so if you can just give us a, a run through, I guess, where it started and, and where we are now.
1: Okay. Well, thanks, Lewis. Um, My history uh, has been on both the investor and the corporate real estate side. I've spent about half my career in each, starting on the investor side. And I've held executive leadership roles with Grubb and Ellis Knight Frank, uh, CBRE, JLL, and then uh, most recently WeWork uh, before founding our firm.
0: Yeah. Aside from that, um, again, I mentioned... Highly decorated, um, Woman of Influence Hall of Fame, as well as Realcom Lifetime Achievement Award, which are two incredibly um, well amazing achievements.
1: Thank you. Um, yes, the I've been I've benefited throughout my career for the advancement of tech in real estate, and so that's been a very very important part of my journey.
0: Okay, uh, I think with with this podcast, we'll be discussing ESG and and also. Technology. Um, first of all, can you talk us through um, the creation of Blue Scar um, and the the mission that you're you're delivering today?
1: Sure. Um, I've co-founded the firm with a couple of other uh, very um, uh, distinguished uh, real estate executives, and we are absolutely focused on driving the change that we've seen occurring. We do believe that neutrality and uh, kind of sovereignty is so critically important at this point, particularly as you advise and discover what it is that you're going to do with the changes in the portfolio. So we're really just focused on driving digital transformation and um, managing whether it's investor or corporate uh, portfolios, the performance. And so we have just three primary offerings and one is um, just the advisory and the, the strategy execution piece for connecting the dots between the real estate and the technology, that implementation. Second of all, there is a growing trend for firms. In the past, firms would either insource or outsource, and there's like a blur right now occurring. We've really focused on the insourced and the blur, the groups that are looking to try to bring more tech in-house. And so we provide a platform as a service, supporting those internal groups to leverage this leading platform that we've developed uh, and can help them Literally, it's not a proprietary platform. It's actually taking the best in class tools for them and then helping them operate it. And then finally, we have Synergy Park. That's our performance management tool. And what that does is it pulls in various data sources um, and basically captures an inter- integrated view of what is actually occurring in the whole operating system uh, for that ecosystem. And that is for a corporation or an investor uh, across.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, and your second point about technology. Um, I think it's fantastic that we're, we're we're at the stage where we are now within um, CRE, smart buildings in terms of people need to make changes, uh, improve, te- improve their technology within buildings for one reason or another. Um, but we are still so far behind and we're playing catch up. Um, this question is always floated about uh, LinkedIn, other platforms, but I think it's so important to get industry leaders' view on it. Um, So from your perspective, why is technology and, and also why are processes within buildings 20, 30 years behind?
1: It really comes down to the fragmentation in our industry and the segmentation. If you think about the other industries, anything from travel to media to telecommunications and um, those industries are very traditionally um, you know, business directly to consumer, and it, it makes it uh, a little bit easier to kind of automate processes and leverage the technology as a service. Within real estate, first of all, it's a built environment. It's not just a service. Service is just part of what people are providing. And the segmentation, whether you're looking at the different types of properties, whether you're looking at an investor property with tenants, a corporate occupied property, real estate is very local. It's a local business. And so coming down to the fact that there are um, regional and locational issues, there are customs and norms around service, there is different access to associations, even the association environment for real estate is very fragmented. And so as a result, investors, corporates, the different tech groups, and then even the fragmentation between Um, you know, the operational equipment manufacturers and looking at the different tech groups, this whole area for so long has been really just so um, driven by their very specific need and their very specific focus um, that it's only just now that I think a real awareness has occurred. And really it's occurred, much of it, it was starting into the pandemic, but I do think that the pandemic has really allowed people to understand that we've really um, just experienced one of the most profound changes in human society and living memory. And that change has driven a change in focus, and we're gonna get into ESG, but I think just uh, uh, bringing things a lot more um, in line with um, maybe other industries is the way we view real estate.
0: Sort of a call to action.
1: Yes, very much so. Yeah,
0: and and in terms of today's context then, again, call to action, the pandemics influence has been huge, not just across real estate, but across all industries. Um, but it does feel like we are sort of playing catch up now uh, in a good way. Um, and one of those is perhaps the the change in, in portfolio occupancy strategy, um, given your experience and what you're seeing from a high level overview. Um, I'd love to hear more your thoughts about that and, and what you're seeing.
1: Yeah. Portfolio occupancy strategy is very much uh, the, one of the leading topics within corporate real estate. So those are occupiers of real estate. They can own it. Uh, they can lease it. But they are really the tenants, you know, regional corporations, local corporations, global. And they are absolutely rethinking um, their own business strategy. And how does that relate to the workplace itself and their talent? they are listening to the talent and there's been, you know, leaseman surveys released, um, you know, in the last several months, there's many, many surveys out there, but it's understanding the feedback of the employees and the talent and then responding to that, but then also hitting a reset. So that's where these hybrid models are coming out, which is where the investment side is responding to. And those are the questions all about where do companies want to locate? How much space are they going to consume? Um, how do they respond to the tenants? The tenants themselves are, you know, really strategizing how they respond to their employees. So the biggest driver right now is is talent. It is talent. It's talent uh, retention. It's attraction, and it's a hot topic because currently many of the employees that are being impacted. Um, I think I heard a, last week, and 70% of people right now online are actually looking for jobs while they're while they're working. Uh, This had to do with many factors, but it's a massive percentage, particularly in some of the younger age groups about rethinking their job and where they're working. Um, And then second, of course, there's a huge cost savings opportunity here, right? If you can um, become more agile in the way you're occupying your space and using your space, uh, real estate, particularly office itself, office as an asset is a very... um, inefficient asset you use it eight 10 hours a day but you're paying for 24 hours a day so if there's a way you can um, think of a different way to consume that that's better you know for the company's results and then ultimately um just impact how are you impacting what does your brand reflect and it kind of all relates to each other
0: yeah and we're, we're also seeing a, a a new operating model aren't we uh, not just in terms of attracting different talent remote um work from home sort of a hybrid model but in terms of other elements as well?
1: Yeah, uh, everyone's referring it to the hybrid model. But the beauty of a hybrid model is it's really a hybrid because there's many, many models, right? There's so many different ways. And really what it comes down to is um, it has to be appropriate for that organization. So it's horses for courses. You know, Um, what a company should really uh, be looking at is their brand, their purpose, Um, What are their ESG goals? And this relates into things far beyond sustainability. So looking at um, their ability to have real impact with the way they occupy and consume space, with the way they impact not only their own employees, but then their stakeholders, shareholders, customers, local communities. And so what that does is it creates an opportunity also, this is where the tech comes in, to really leverage prop tech and the data coming up with a very curated and responsive way to the way they want to uh, everything from plan the way they occupy their space, the way they provide an experience to their employees and the way they walk the walk with whatever their branded purpose is.
0: Yeah and I think in terms of technology um, it's just not good enough anymore to have um, a system in place which can uh, reduce energy costs. it's all about indoor air quality it's about experience, um, engagement of the users and, and just better utilization of space given the pandemic which um, has been eye-opening for for others even my company it's been it's been eye-opening so uh, it's it's definitely interesting and with technology and, and other areas in today's context digitalization we're seeing it all over from a global perspective myself as well but what are you seeing?
1: Uh, there's a an interest, um, a very, very significant changing interest in what that means. What I have seen is that for the five years leading up to the pandemic, uh, there was resistance, uh, there was confusion, and there were um, sort of, it was almost like a myopic view of looking at either uh, the operating systems themselves, and like you're talking about energy consumption, uh, or looking at some of the experiential apps. So with everything from room reservations to lighting systems that impact that kind of curated work environment, and then all, and then there was a, a very large focus on just how do you do your space planning, your space allocations, and what I think people have realized is those three things have converged: the building, the experience, and the way you manage these, those operations, and so that whole idea around space utilization, space planning, space as a service to the employees when those come together, what's really fusing them together is the technology itself. And so the plan, you have to take a step back to envision how those different components come together, because I think historically what you would see, people were sort of myopic depending on the perspective they were coming from, and they were trying to solve something with one way. And so that's probably been the largest change you've seen is this real true recognition and maybe it's just been the privilege of of having the opportunity to spend a little bit more time less traveling focusing learning and really getting to understand what this means that you you're seeing a um a more deliberate approach uh currently around prop tech around digitization and what that actually means for them as an organization
0: one solution doesn't fit all buildings
1: no not even close
0: but with Technology. Um, I'm I'm seeing it fascinating businesses out there or technology platforms, whatever you want to call them. But from a consumer or a building owner perspective, it's it's almost not necessarily diluted in the market, but one can get blurred about which is the best solution. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that's a fair statement? Or is it a case of perhaps building owners needing to to work with the the correct individuals to make sure that the the technology that they choose for the building is, is absolutely right for the building.
1: Yes. And there's several factors. There's just cost. I mean, some products are fantastic, uh, just wonderful, but they might not be fit for purpose for your organization due to cost, due to the complexity of setup or the way to maintain it. Uh, you know, simplification is very important. Some systems, I don't care, you know, <laughs> no matter what the intent is, sometimes they can be far uh, more complicated than people would think, or there's other factors that need to be involved with systems integration. So one has to be just realizing what your budget is and what expectations are from the business itself, what you're trying to deliver on, and then having absolute independent advisory regarding the different systems. I was speaking with a client recently um, they were going to jettison their IWMS system that they had implemented because their understanding was from a third-party consultant that their, they had a desire when they returned to the office that they would connect their room reservation system into their IWMS, so it was a seamless um, sort of experience for them to manage. And the consultant told them that it was impossible and it couldn't have been done. And what the answer was was to buy a whole new IWMS and implement it. And we were kind of surprised. And we said, are you sure? And they said, yes. And we looked into it. It wasn't correct. Um, That was not correct. Uh, The person obviously was trying to pitch a big consulting engagement and was very lucrative. And, you know, trust is such a big factor here. And I think it comes down to trust. So it's really understanding what someone's experience is. Um, IT is great. What we are seeing, though, is that operations technology and having operational experience is so important because even if you're a great IT person, if you don't understand how systems operate, how you deliver experience, how you interface with the users of space and what you usually see as typical issues, sometimes those you know, real life needs are not baked into the solution. So it really is um, making sure you've got someone with experience will give you independent real advice, even if it means that they're not going to get a big sale, that they're not representing a lot of technology. So you soon find out that they're pushing a certain set of technologies, because that's what they're aligned with. Um, so anyway, that's that's, that's my, my recommendation is just making sure you've got independence, and you've also got that operating influence, not just IT.
0: Okay, that that's an interesting point. Um, and not just necessarily about technology, but about the different um, strategies in terms of port- portfolio occupancy and and also this new operating model, um, it's it's different. Um, that the real estate has never, real estate industry has hasn't been um, where we are right now. So, how do building owners or how do building operators monitor performance from from all aspects?
1: Well, building owners and operators are in a a whole different situation right now. They're trying to respond to the tenants. If you're in industrial space, you're also getting to understand those occupants better because typically those are triple net leases. And so realizing that if you offer some sort of much more uh, powerful ESG program, everything from you know, waste and and what you can offer just regarding metrics there, solar programs, if you're doing roof replacement or, or even giving them some sort of a access to sharing something 50-50 where maybe you traditionally would have done it yourself, um, the... the understanding and that bridge that's always been very uh, far apart and vast between the two sides is actually uh, that gap is being bridged uh, much more closely. And it is a very good thing to see because it's you know we talked at the beginning about the fragmentation. One of the largest ones have been between investors and property managers and understanding how the technology comes into a building. But it kind of stopped right there at the tenant's door. And then the tenant sort of takes it from there. What you've realized, though, for example, during the pandemic is that you're reliant upon those building systems, the filters that they're using, how much fresh air is that landlord bringing in every hour, 15 minutes, what are they doing to make sure that the indoor air quality is good and high. So there's just been this recognition that it really does matter, it doesn't stop at your door, and you have to view the occupancy and what your tenants needs are as well as your own operating needs, so um, in all, It's um, having a very um, kind of deep understanding, going back to building systems, what's out there, and many people are just going through an educational process right now about realizing there's a lot that they didn't know. In the past, they didn't know they didn't know. At least today, there's an awareness that they have to become much more conversant on these topics.
0: And that probably leads us on to one of the biggest topics over the last 12 months, and and I believe will continue to be um, a huge topic, um, ESG, um, even a company that the size of what we are, we're, we're, we're discussing it, um, at the high level. Um, how do you think ESG has had an influence on the likes of digital transformation?
1: ESG has been leading all of this for years, but the recognition that ESG has been fundamental to it has been a little opaque to a lot of people. And, um, I've spoken on this topic, and uh, you can go to you know several you know major universities. If you go to the environmental schools, they were seeing it too. It was just kind of a hard way to draw a parallel and understand what the impact was. But early on, you were seeing massive trends, changes, everything from understanding the supply base, understanding CO two um, emissions, understanding um, what was going on in compliance and audit. But if you kind of mapped all the major business trends that were happening, they were all impacting commercial real estate. And in some ways I think real estate wasn't quite sure why all of this uh, risk management, you know, but if you kind of map it back, it's all ESG related. And I think even sometimes in the C-suite, whether it was the external auditors, the internal auditors, the sustainability group, the health and safety group, in some ways, even that was a little bit more opaque. That oh, this all falls under this umbrella around how are we impacting the environment, what are we doing socially to have impact in our communities and for society, and then ultimately, what is our governance? Because if our business model is at risk and we're not a sustainable business, you saw what happened uh, this past week to in the U.S. with the pipeline in the Northeast, right? Um, if there are risks to the business and your resiliency is not strong and robust, you're presenting your, you know, your customers at risk, your investors, you know, people are at risk, your stakeholders. So this whole movement is really based upon the fundamentals of ESG. And digitization is the fastest way to drive that for an organization and for the general public. So it's very exciting, because I think that awareness now is becoming much more keen.
0: Do you still think it's fair that Um, ESG as a topic is underestimated.
1: I'm very surprised uh, today that the awareness is as high as it is. But to your point, it's not anywhere where it needs to be. It's still kind of moving up uh, as far as awareness. And the more people can write uh, papers on this and do It's funny. um, I had a friend contact me recently, I, I wrote a paper on this, actually this very topic. And their son is a student in the UK and wants to do a PhD. This this is the topic of their of the thesis that they wanted to do, and they were surprised that they could find little research, if any, on the topic. And they would contacted me because my, I was one, literally one published research paper on it. And so even a you know student at universities are realizing, hey, this is like real. This has to do with the built environment, the digital trends, and that ESG is driving this. So uh, it is surprising, but yet I think we've come a long way. We just have a very long way to go because even the understanding today, you talk about ESG with someone, they still think it's just about sustainability. And it really is, it's a complex mosaic of many, many, many different drivers uh, that have to all be kind of thought about. You don't want to boil the ocean, but you've got to think about it because they're all part of this uh, roadmap that you're putting together when you're thinking of your digital roadmap and your process and your workflow roadmap. Uh, roadmap.
0: That leads us on to a point you mentioned, digital transformation, ESG, and, and I think one of the most exciting areas of commercial real estate right now is is PropTech um, and PropTech solutions. Um, now it's, from, from my view, recruiting in this space, it's a very broad industry or very broad um, space in general. What do you, leave or see in terms of the the fragmentation element. And I think perhaps what, where people get lost is that prop tech is a good thing. Um, naturally, there's a there's a lot of different technologies out there from indoor air quality to, to work, uh, workflow management, to um, AI, uh, the list goes on. But to have a smart building, you need these solutions. It's not just necessarily from an operational standpoint, it's it's financial, it's, it's, it's being able to bring the building together, all the systems together to make it work. Um, but there is an element of Um What are companies doing to sort of restrict that?
1: You know, the answer to that is it is really all over the board. Um, a lot of the big real estate companies are actually investing in different prop tech tools and then, you know, directing their teams to use that prop tech. Um, you've got consolidation in PropTech, you've got unbelievable redundancy between the different solutions that are out there. Um, I bet, you know, I've got the benefit of having been close to this topic for many years and so kind of tracking things. I had um, a conversation just this week with a venture capitalist. He was all excited about something he saw and he was telling me about this um, PropTech tool that they're investing in. And I, I was really surprised because you know you could stand it up yourself with off-the-shelf technology it's a very very simple thing but what occurred to me is it was in the property management space and the properties management space in general is a laggard so I'm sure that they thought it was a huge innovation but it's something that literally if you wanted to set it up tomorrow and you're a big service provider you could do it yourself so that means the model itself is um, you know it's weak it's a weak model right there's it's there's very low barriers to entry and so, the key right now to prop tech is understanding uh, the ones that are actually sort of game changers that have good financing behind them, that have a very good tar- addressable market, and they're um, they, they can be part of a, a larger solution. But they're not something that's going to kind of go out overnight, or it's not going to be supported. A lot of people see that they go with a tech. And then it's, it doesn't get that continuous improvement or investment. And so then it begins to become a data technology. So um, you're absolutely right. The, and, and then weekly, there are new prop techs coming up. A lot of people are launching new prop techs. So the exciting thing there will be consolidation. And I think some of the groups seeing some of these tools, pulling them in. But then there's also just the confusion again, because you've got the OEMs going kind of deep in the space. You then have the smart building groups that can do everything from you know the blue blue mesh networks, the backnet, you've got the proprietary network. Yeah. And then you've got the different IWMS systems and now co-investment between OEMs and those. So it's a little bit like the Wild West, but it's exciting because you're you're beginning to see certain areas morph and advance very quickly as a result of all this investment. But I think the the warning here is to be careful. If something is way too narrow and nichey, uh, just, you know, you've got to probably figure out, is this something that'll get acquired, which might be just fine? Um, or is it something that just doesn't have a long shelf life? And how much is your expense? If it doesn't cost a lot, you're just using it, maybe that's all right. But um, I think the warning there is just being, um, just doing your due diligence on the tools you're using and calling and asking people who are using it.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great word actually and answers one of my next questions, due diligence. Um is there a worry or or perhaps a question mark about yes, that there is consolidation. We're seeing lots of acquisitions or mergers within the prop tech space that probably one a week at, at the moment, which again is great. It's exciting for the industry. But from a building owner standpoint, or in your role itself, founding this this new company, is it difficult to um, sort of weave between which technologies are the best or, or do exactly what they're, they're they're meant to do what what they're being marketed to do um and able to then relay that to the customer is is that something that can be quite challenging given week to week new technologies new platforms new companies are being set up
1: I think where my partners and I view something that we took for granted, we've taken it for granted for a long time. And just this week realized we shouldn't really take it for granted is that our deep experience in real estate and operations, if you've spent your career, um, you know, running large transformations, setting up different portfolios, working with customers on their biggest business issues they're trying to solve. And then you hear a prop tech tool, and then someone starts talking through how it works. If you're an operator who's operated other systems before or understand this, you can listen for a minute and be like gosh that is super useful that would be amazing or what you know it's what why is that tool created just because and then you'll ask them you'll go a little bit deeper on it and you can begin to kind of rank very quickly again what would be replaced why it's just uh a something that's been launched that can be replicated very simply, an idea that you can say, it's a great idea, but I'll just do that myself, right? I can just use my current technology to do that. And so that's the, I I would tell you, the important thing is to get the right group around you when you're planning this, human resource professionals, uh, operations, property operations, and real estate professionals, and then the IT. And then, of course, uh, you want the input from the people who are going to be using it themselves, like what, what they like, what they don't like. But but if you get the right viewpoints at the table, uh, you'll get a much more balanced view. Even looking at some of the apps you're looking at launching or some of the prop tech, some of them might say, yeah, that'd be great. Some be like, I'd never use that. I'd never use it. So um, that's my input on that.
0: Okay, good. Um, and although the industry is moving quickly and, and um, in a, a very... Positive direction. Um, There's still challenges. Um, What do you see as the perceived limitations currently and and also um, post pandemic?
1: It's a very competitive marketplace. Uh, The limitations, I believe, are the companies that don't understand that we're working in a shared experiential economy. And if you're open to partnering, if you're listening to who your competition is, if you're working with others and you're understanding that you're a piece of a larger ecosystem, I think you'll do very well. You'll listen, you'll, you'll thrive if you're someone who's uh, easy to work with, open to partnering with other systems. And even if you have the capabilities to do plus, 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 yeah. if you can admit that maybe this other system does those plus, plus, pluses better than what your core system does, but you're really good at this, um, I think you'll do very well. The ones that have proprietary platforms, they won't integrate, they don't have open APIs, they want to dominate. Um, That's a very old school mentality. And I think I would caution someone who's looking at a very closed system to understand that um, the idea of being an open system and being able to integrate because that gives you, we keep talking about the flexibility and the agility that allows you to not only introduce continuous improvement but it allows you to kind of flex and change over time, which is what you're going to need to do.
0: And especially when it comes to performance as well. Um, when when you think about closed systems, closed networks, um, it's it's very difficult to get the, the data out that belongs to a building. Um, and when you don't have the data, you can't manage the performance or monitor the performance correctly. So I think for me, that's um, a big part of it. And what makes it so exciting, uh, because over the last four years, we are... Slowly, uh, from my from my own view, seeing the the transition, the shift from uh, proprietary networks, proprietary platforms, into this this open and open's a big word and can be often misused, but this open um, source space.
1: Yes, open and um, col- it needs to be collaborative. And I think ultimately, the next thing you're going to see is a willingness to sort of share. So it's like if I'm better at this can I be the host to do this, but then let my partners come in and do those other pieces and letting someone be comfortable enough with me to even move over into their space. So, and you're going to see that it's going to be the same with service models in real estate as it is with the technology. And potentially the structure will follow the way someone is working with their service providers, because it's, again, it's this ecosystem and your technology should map to your sourcing strategy.
0: Interesting. Um, Well, Maureen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, Before we part, uh, just a couple of questions. Um, Exciting times for for you and the team. Um, What does the the rest of the year leading on to 2022 look like for for Maureen and, and Blue Sky?
1: We have found that uh, the way we viewed the space, we're uh, seeing some very positive reinforcement, so we're focused on the investor side and the corporate side, but I'm sure, Lewis, this won't surprise you. It's on ESG measurement and bringing that data in and um, really creating a much more focused way of reporting rather than just utility consumption, helping them gather those other data points so they can at least set a baseline for their ESG performance. And so, um, yeah, we're very excited about it, but that's our continued focus is really taking that overarching strategy. And then again, creating an opportunity for someone to measure performance, we're neutral. So it doesn't matter the technology, doesn't matter the suppliers.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear uh, and exciting. I'm looking forward to following the progress that you make. Um, final question, um, outside of your work and and um, the business, what's most exciting for you currently within the space?
1: I guess what's most exciting is the change that's happening. It's, um, it is creating a whole level of uh, new opportunity for people coming into the market. People, uh, what you find is if you talk to a lot of real estate people, how did they get into real estate? Many of them did not decide that they were going to go to university and go into real estate or, you know, whatever. FM. <laughs> and that were FM. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. um, This whole change around the built environment and workplace strategy and how human resources impacts the utilization and productivity, you're seeing entrance from business, from um, statistics, people in um, BI and analytics, so what's with data scientists. And so there's this very different awareness around what the built environment is and actually deliberate interest of entering into our field.
0: Okay, great. Anything else to add?
1: Just some takeaways, I would just say that, uh, you know, kind of the bottom line on this discussion is, you know, ensuring alignment, I call it like the ABCs, just alignment around your ESG goals and your brand, and then what your digital strategy is, they need to be aligned. Um, And then B is just understanding the business case, the typical ROI that people use, two year less payback on an energy program, it's different. What's the productivity? What's the utilization benefits? What's my ESG impact? How do I mitigate risk? Those need to play into your new business analytics to underwrite a a case. And then ultimately just, it's very dangerous to become complacent right now. You ask what's exciting, it's the change and it's easy to become complacent. It really is time to sort of take action. You do not have to boil the ocean, but it is time to really recheck where you're at, relook at what you've done um, pricing is very competitive right now in the prop tech space. And I think it's maybe a little bit easier today than it was before. So um, really just, I think, recheck if you need to reset what you're doing.
0: Okay, fantastic. Maureen, thank you very much for your time.
1: Sure, thanks very much, Lewis. Great to see you. Bye.
0: Bye. So that was my conversation with Maureen Ehrenberg who's the CEO of Blue Sky I'd like to thank Maureen for her time and fascinating insight on the future of commercial real estate if you'd like to ask Maureen and myself any questions about what we discussed please don't hesitate to get in touch you can email me at lewis.martin at industrial-cm.com this podcast was powered by CM Industrial a global search firm with specialized consultants dedicated to the smart buildings market For more information about our services, please go to searchingindustrial.com. Anyway, that's it for me. Thanks very much for listening. I've been your host, Lewis Martin. Bye for now.